Hey Harbour City, I hope you guys are doing well today. I'm really grateful that we're able to meet for church at home like this again, but obviously sad that we're not in person at 48 Gordon Road today, worshiping in person, praying in person, having coffee together, enjoying Jesus and just learning and growing as his people. So hopefully we'll be back next week, but just with the COVID stats, what they were in KZN and just how high the numbers have been and how many people we know who are sick or isolating right now uh, and how many schools have closed, all of just that kind of stuff. We thought this week it would be good to break from meeting in person and do church at home again. And today I want to share a message which I hope is going to be really encouraging for you and freeing for you too. And I've titled it Vision in the Fog of Life. So if that doesn't make sense now, I hope it will soon. But one of the words that I've definitely heard used a lot in 2021 is the word weary. People are weary, people are tired, people are feeling drained and worn down by stuff from COVID, from looting, from lockdown, from the news and just all of the negative stuff that is going on, not just here, but around the world. It's, it's weighty, it's heavy, and it's real. And I think people are also weary from the break from normal life, if that even exists. We've been through a lot of change and a lot of loss. I think one of the things I thought about just in such a small way is how many times Shell and I have had plans cancelled or have had to cancel plans last minute over the last year. And if you're anything like us, it's not that you've had a lot of plans, a lot of seeing people and doing things. But when that they've happened, still they've been cancelled sometimes last minute. And that's been a little loss. And now even today, we find our church service canceled or postponed or whatever you want to say, not meeting again in person, which is disappointing. I think all of these things and more serious things and other things have just made us wary. And as I was praying for today's service, I thought about this verse for us. It might be one that some of you know, but in Proverbs 29, 18, it says, Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint which means where there is no hearing from God, no seeing his will or vision of what he's doing, what he wants from us, what he wants us to do, where he wants us to go, where there's no clarity, people start taking off all restraints and just doing their own thing, going their own way. That means we really need to hear from God. We need prophetic vision. We need to see him and know his will for ourselves. It's kind of similar to Simon Sinek's thing of starting with why. What, what is your why? What is your vision? What is the mission that God has put inside of you? And are you doing it? Because when we lose sight of that, when it's not front and center in front of our gaze all the time, what happens is we just start to go in different directions and do whatever comes to mind. And for a lot of us, I think this last period has been a period of such uncertainty and such change. Um, life has become very fluid. I remember saying with our worship guys a while ago, you know, there's just been, uh, this is a time of flux, a time of flexibility. We, we need to have grace at this time because things are just not stable. They're uncertain and constantly changing. And that takes a lot of energy from us. You know, our focus is constantly moving around. We're constantly having to adjust. I think for a lot of people, all of these changes have pulled us in so many different directions. It's been disorientating. And what's happened is some of our good old disciplines and habits and priorities have been distorted and have changed over this last time. And some of us have drifted. We've drifted into places we've never been before, drifted into things that we shouldn't have drifted to, drifted into bad decisions and bad habits and sin. And if that is you, as you're watching this, and you know that this is you, I'm pretty sure there was never an intention to 
to get where you are now, to make the choices that you find yourself making. But what has happened is because of all of these things going on, we've lost sight of what is most important. We don't have that in front of our gaze. Proverbs 29:18 in the message says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. The NLT says they run wild. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. What I've been trying to do on Sundays over the last while is to lift our gaze to see God. If you were with us last week, Psalm 63, we see that. Actually, David gazes on God and looks at his glory and looks at his power. And his response to the situation he's in is completely changed because he realizes God is real. God is great. God is good. God is bigger than what I'm in. And it changes his entire response to the circumstances. And in the midst of all that's been going on, I think we need that. We need to see God's realness, his bigness, his power, his beauty to fall in love with him or to stay in love with him and to enjoy him in the midst of all that we are facing. And tonight I want to encourage you not just to see him, but more than seeing him, I want to encourage you to hear his voice, to remember his words, to remember what he said, said to you before. What has God said of you? What has he called you to do? What is the vision that he's put inside of your heart, the passion inside of you? What is that thing and are you doing it? Because it's so easy in the fog of all that's going on to get distracted and disorientated and spend our time doing other things. We don't want that. We don't want that vision to get drowned out in the events of the last year and a half. And for us, Harbour City, we know what the church is. The church is the people of God gathered together around Jesus and his mission. We know that we are called to certain things. We're called to preach the gospel. We're called to make disciples. We're called to embody the kingdom way of God. We're called to not just embody it, but also extend God's kingdom. And each of us play a role in that. But in the fog of what we've been facing, I think a lot of us have been distracted from those realities. And Proverbs 29:18 is saying to us that when we lose sight of God, when we lose sight of what God has called us to, when we lose sight of the mission of God, what happens when, when we lose that vision, then we get distracted by all sorts of other things and we lose a sense of meaning and purpose and reward in our lives. Now, tonight is not a change the world, rah-rah kind of message. I think in light of me saying a lot of people are feeling weary, be silly for me to do that. So it would be almost like another thing, another burden, another weight. And I think it would probably just make us feel a bit guilty that we're not doing more. Tonight is not about that, but it is about reminding us in the season that we're in about the mission and purpose and vision of God, even in the realities and constrictions that we face. So let's practice good theology around at the start of this message, and let's look at Jesus. I don't know if you've ever thought about the fact that Jesus didn't do everything before. I love this quote. This is from Kevin DeYoung in his book, Crazy Busy. He says, Jesus didn't do it all. Jesus didn't meet every need. He left people waiting in line to be healed. He left one town to preach to another. He hid away to pray. He got tired. He never interacted with the vast majority of people on the planet. He spent 30 years in training and only three years in ministry. He did not try to do it all. And yet, he did everything God asked him to do. I think that is such a powerful and formative quote. In light of that, what is God asking you to do right now? Have you thought about that? What is it uh, in this weird season? What is the one or two or three things that God is speaking to you about and calling you to do in this season? 
let's know the answer to that question and keep that vision in front of us at all times. And what we see in John 19 verse 30, Jesus does the last thing on his to-do list. Jesus has known what God has called him to do. And he's done absolutely everything until this last thing, probably the most important thing that he did, the thing he knew he was coming to do, which is to die on the cross for the sins of the world. And that was a huge one, you know. Jesus knew this was going to be tough. He knew it was going to be a huge weight and responsibility, the sins of the world put on himself. Dying in our place, our substitute to make us right with our Father in heaven if we would repent of our sin and believe in him. And with his last breath, Jesus says, it is finished. He's done it. He's done his job. Jesus could pray and say to his Father in heaven, you know, I've done what you called me to do. Everything is done. Now I'm coming home. Mission accomplished. And don't you love that? Jesus knew what was his job to do and he did it. And Jesus also knew what wasn't his job to do. So he was able to finish his work and leave everything else undone because that was someone else's job. And in John 1, verse 19 to 27, we read a bit about Jesus' relative, John the Baptizer, someone else who knew who he was and what God had called him to do. And he has this vision from God in front of him. He knows what God has put on him to do with his life, and he's doing it. John 1, verse 19. And this is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? And John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. When you read that, you've got such a clear sense that John knew who he was and who he wasn't. He knew what God had called him to do and what God had not called him to do. So that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at John's sense of identity, his sense of calling, and also his uh, limitations, him being realistic about what God wanted from him. So let's take a look firstly at his identity. The people are coming to John and asking, who are you? It's a question probably all of us have asked, even over this last time, if you've been a, a little bit reflective. Who are you? Who am I? And God is doing some amazing things through John's life and ministry. In fact, a little bit later, Jesus will say of John that he is the greatest man to ever have lived before him. You know, the, the greatest prophet, this powerful man who's called to prepare the way of the Lord. And as he's preaching and teaching out in the wilderness, as he's baptizing people, people are coming from far and wide. They are traveling, they're inconveniencing themselves because they want to meet John. They want to hear John. They want to be baptized by John for the forgiveness of their sins. And they're coming to him. Crowds like this are coming to him and saying, who are you? Are you the prophet? Are you Elijah? Probably the most powerful supernatural prophet of miracles and wonders in the Old Testament. Uh, I know Jamie spoke about him recently. Who are you? Are you Elijah? Or are you maybe even the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior of the world? And I don't know if you've thought about this before, but I think it would be pretty flattering if someone asked you that. 
You know, they come to you and they say, are you the prophet? You know, the one prophesied about, or are you Elijah reincarnated, resurrected? Are you, are you Elijah in the flesh? That powerful, supernatural prophet of God, is that you? Or even more, are you the Messiah? Are you the long-promised Christ? Are you the one that we've been waiting for? I mean, I think your chest would puff up. You'd go, hmm, I'm obviously pretty amazing if they think I could be the Messiah. But John doesn't think that. He's not worried about who he is or who he isn't. He knows. He's got clarity from God about his identity and his purpose and calling. And he tells them that. In John 5 verse 44, this is a profound verse. Jesus speaks and says, How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Harbor City, are you seeking glory from God or are you seeking it from people, those around us? Do you care more about what God thinks of you? Does, does God's will, does God's way, does God's wisdom, does God's direction shape your decision making, your priorities, your life? Or is it more the people around you? Friends or family, boss, colleagues, those who you really want to be impressed with you. Who is it that is shaping your life? Whose approval, whose applause do you want more than anything else? You see, Christians are called to live for the glory of God. But more than that, we're called to live out of our new identity in Him. We don't live as Christians to earn God's approval. We live from His approval. What we do flows out of who we already are in Jesus, which is sons and daughters of God. That's who we are. And when we live out our lives, we don't strive. We, we don't kill ourselves to succeed. We're not trying to be the best or to do everything to earn God's love or to earn our way into his affections or something like that. We're doing it from a place where we know that the king of the universe, our father in heaven, loves us and approves of us. So we can be ourselves. We can do what God has called us to do in that security and place. That's identity. Secondly is calling. And after John says who he is and who he isn't, he tells us what the Lord has called him to do. In verse 23, he says, I'm a voice for the Lord. Verse 25 and 26, he says, I'm a baptizer. I'm here to baptize people in water for repentance, for the forgiveness of their sins. And then in verse 27 and 28, he says, I am unworthy to untie Jesus' sandals. And that last one stands out to me the most. John is secure in his identity and his sense of God's love and calling. And it's so clear here because you have to be to think like that. You know, to, you have to have seen Jesus' worth and to see his beauty and at the same time to know your sin and your need for grace and forgiveness and love. And John's clearly experienced that himself. So he's able to say with both a sense of incredible security in the love of God and humility in the fact that he knows how glorious God is and he knows the truth of his own heart and his need of God's grace. He's able to say, I baptize people with water. I do an important job. I'm a prophet sent by God to prepare the way for the Lord. This is who I am. But at the same time, I'm not even worthy of touching the Savior's feet and sandals. His dirty, dirty, smelly, sweaty feet. I'm not even worthy of doing that. There's a security and a humility about John. And there should be a security and a humility about all followers of Jesus that we know that we're given purpose by God, which is glorious. But at the same time, we're called to the identity of servant. We are given a servanthood and we're, we're called to play a role in our world. Because 
It's about Jesus, not about us. I can be a servant because I'm serving him. I can be humble because I'm living for him. So who are you? And what has God called you to do? What is the one or two or three or whatever, the specific things that God has put you here at this time to do in our community in Harbour City and in the city of Durban and beyond? And then once you know what those are and you can give that answer, the question is, are you doing them? Because if we busy up our lives with other things, good things, you know, important things, significant things, successful things, but we fill our time and our minds and our energy and our hearts and our schedule too full to do the few things that God has called us to do, that would be a tragedy. You know, if we don't do the things that God has uniquely given us to do as jobs because we're busy doing all of these other things, we would have missed the mark. So I want to ask you, what is it you need to say no to? To say yes to the thing that God has called you to do. And what do you need to say no to so that you can live a life of devotion to God? So say no to the distractions that are drawing you away from devotion to God. And then are you, intent, uh, are you content? Are you content in this? Or are you content in doing this for God's glory and not your own? Are you content in not being famous or successful at the thing that God has called you to do? Because you're doing it for him, not for yourself, not your own glory. John was. We see that two chapters later in John chapter 3. And I want you to think how you would react if this was you. John has got big crowds all around him. I've said this already. People have come from everywhere to hear him, to be baptized by him. Famous people, rich people, rulers are asking, who is this man because of the influence that he's having on their society? And he's got these crowds just asking questions, listening to him, hanging on his every word. He's just dunking people in the water all day, every day, baptizing people. And then all of a sudden, this man named Jesus shows up on the other side of the river and he starts baptizing people too. You can imagine if John wasn't doing this for God, if he was doing this for himself, what would have entered his mind and heart? He would have gone, who's this guy? That's my thing. I'm a baptizer. It's even in my name. I'm John the Baptist. Who does he think he is doing my thing, baptizing people in water on the other side of the river? And now John finds himself alone. All of the crowds have gone to Jesus. They don't want to be around John anymore. You know, John knows he's called to prepare the way for the Lord and he's done it. Now the people are with the Lord. The people are being baptized by him and listening to his messages and getting to know him. But I think if we were doing this for ourselves, not for God, if, if we weren't secure in our identity, we weren't secure in our calling, then we would want to do something to draw the crowds back to ourselves, man. And we'd put up a big baptism billboard on our side of the river saying baptisms by John and try and draw the crowds back. And we'd try and really ramp up the way we did baptisms. We'd get like a water cannon or something and we'd shoot people into the river. Baptisms 2.0, like a really fancy water experience. And we'd, I don't know, we'd give away goodie bags with t-shirts, baptized by John or whatever it is. John might even think about doing a reality TV show, The River's Edge with John the Baptist. Something like that because he wanted the fame. He wanted the spotlight back on himself and off of Jesus. But that's not what John was like at all. He knew who he was. He knew what he was called to do. He knew he was there to prepare the way for the Lord. And in John 3 verse 27, he says, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. John 3 verse 30, He, Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. John says, you know, I'm not living for my own fame and glory. I'm living for his. 
I'm not living to draw attention to myself. I'm living to draw attention to him. He is the one that I live for. So he's okay. At times living in the limelight and at times living in the shadows. He's okay proclaiming Christ for the masses and proclaiming Christ to no one. You know, he's not worried about himself. He knows who he is and he knows what he's called to do. And he faithfully does it. He knows his cause is Jesus. His master is Jesus. He knows his message is Jesus. His motivation is Jesus. He's doing everything he does for Jesus. So it doesn't matter when Jesus gets the attention, not him. He's got this prophetic vision in front of him. So he doesn't cast off restraint. He doesn't do his own thing. He doesn't run wild. He doesn't let these other things distract him because in front of him is the prophetic vision, the revelation, the, the call from God. This is what I want from you. And he's being faithful to that thing. Have you prayed through your calling before? Have you asked God what he wants from you, from your life? What, what he wants you to do in this season? very easy for us to be drawn to the things that we want, the things we would choose, the opportunities in front of us, the things that pay really well, that kind of thing. But if we actually prayed and said, God, I'm yours. My life is yours. What do you want to do with me? I'm your servant. What am I called to? What am I not called to? And then faithfully live that out. As John 5 speaks about, we all need to figure out what the work the Father has got for us to do is. And then go and do that. And then we also need to learn the art of saying no. This is hard for some of us. The art of saying no to other things which are going to pull us away from what God has called us to do. Jesus knew what he was called to do. But he also did some really hard things and sacrifice. Those things went together. The night before his crucifixion, Jesus is praying. Actually, uh, one writer that I love says that Jesus died in the Garden of Gethsemane, not on the cross. And what he means is actually the night before Jesus was crucified, while he was praying, actually he surrendered his will over to God. He knew how hard the cross was going to be. Existentially, emotionally, spiritually, physically. He knew the weight of sin. He knew the, the suffering he was going to go through with the crown of thorns, the whipping, the, the, the crucifixion. He knew how hard it was going to be. He says, God, is there another way? God goes, mm -mm. so he surrenders himself and says, not my will, but yours be done. It'd be the prayer of every Christian, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus is obedient to his father. He's obedient to who he's been made, who he's been made and what he's been called to do. And each one of us are called to the same thing, to get before God to surrender our lives, to ask him what it is he wants us to prioritize. And then to respond. What do we need to change? What do we need to start? What do we need to stop if that prophetic vision is in front of us? What is it that God is calling you to do? Let's end on this. We also need to be realistic in the season that we're in. I've said already, this is not a do more, change the world kind of sermon. You know, this is a sermon about prophetic vision and walking with God, obeying God, you know, living in light of who God is and what he's called us to do. Now, I, I know from the conversations I've had and what I've read that a lot of people are not at 100% capacity right now. I'm pretty sure most of us watching this are, maybe you're at 95 or 90 or 85 or 80, maybe you're lower. But I think a lot of us are, are not functioning at our optimum level like maybe we were in 2019. And I think even those of us who are really busy and are doing a lot and are being productive, 
You know, our energy levels aren't at their normal capacity. Our focus, our attention isn't at its normal capacity. We're just not completely ourselves right now. We're weary. Whether we're doing a lot or doing a little, we're weary and worn down by the last year and a half. And in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1, it says this, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And as we talk about who we are and what we're called to do, I also want to ask you, what season of life are you in? What are you going through right now? And let's be realistic about what we can do in light of that. Some of us right now have got a lot of time, a lot of passion, a lot of energy. We're gifted, we're skilled. And I, I want to encourage you to say, use what you've got to serve God and to serve the purpose He's given you. Others are limited. We, we've got more responsibilities. We, we've got less time. We've got less energy. We've got less capacity, whatever it is. Use what you've got in your season to serve God faithfully. Maybe you've got comorbidities right now. Maybe you're older and you're a bit more nervous of exposure to COVID. Be who God has made you to be and do what God has called you to do inside of the restrictions and realities that you face. Let's be realistic about the season of life, but also let's keep that prophetic vision in front of us and let's be faithful to fulfill that. What I want to do to end this morning is I want to ask you to close your eyes in just a moment as I pray. And I want to pray for us and ask the Holy Spirit to help us to, to reveal some of the stuff inside of our hearts. I want to ask Him to show us who we are and what we're called to. I want to ask Him to show us what we need to change. And then afterwards, I want to ask you to spend a little bit of time reflecting. I know what it's like to just say, okay, Grant, I've got it. Let's move on, go on to the next thing. But would you spend a few minutes with either your phone open on like notes or something like that? Or get out a notebook and a pen and just answer these three questions prayerfully in the presence of the Spirit, letting Him minister to you. What am I called to? Don't write pages. Maybe you can journal that another time. Just a short five-word summary, something like that. What am I called to? Secondly, what are three things that I need to change right now about my life? Three things that I need to change. And lastly, what does the Lord require of you? What am I called to? What are three things I need to change about my life? And what does the Lord require of me right now? Holy Spirit, I ask you to come upon every person watching this message and meet them where they're at. I ask you, Lord, that you would help them to be more aware of what is going on inside of their own hearts, but also aware of you. Lift our heads to see your beauty and power and goodness and glory, Jesus. And give us prophetic vision. Show us who you are and what you've called us to do. Show us what you want from us. And Holy Spirit, would you empower us and help us to do this? Thank you for the gifts you've given us, the personality you've given us, the abilities you've given us. Help us, Lord, to confidently be ourselves and respond to the call and vision of God, what you have put inside of our hearts to do. I thank you, Lord, for those gifts. I thank you for that calling. And right now, I just pray that our love for Jesus would swell inside of our hearts and beat and burn inside of us and that we would be fruitful in seeing you work through us for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen.